This programme was produced at and first aired on NPR, Manawatu People's Radio, with support from New Zealand On Air. Kapai Irarangi Tomotu, NPR. If you're a fan of NPR, listening to our podcasts and live stream has never been easier. Just search for accessmedia.nz on the App Store or Google Play and download the app with the Kiwi Fruit logo. Once you've got it, pick Manawatu People's Radio from the list of stations and go find your new favourite show. Morena no mai kiti korero. Welcome to the catch up on Manawatu People's Radio. Tereo irurangi o natangata o Manawatu. It is a Friday. Thank the Lord. Uh, it's a Friday, the 22nd of October. Thank you to Hugh for the morning show. We are now in the catch up and we turn our attention to central government. And we have in the studio Tangi Utikere, Mama o Parimata o Papayoya Atamarie. Morena Fraser. And because it is New A Language Week, Fakalofalahiatu. Oh, you're showing off now. Um, although, interestingly, I should uh, do a little uh, promotion because next week uh, the, the catch-up has, has changed format a little bit. We've widened our scope and got more people in. You've yes. been reduced to a fortnightly I presence. Have. And let me just make it known <laughs> that I was very disappointed um, with that. And, Fraser, you know that. Well, there, there are positives because on Tuesday um, we are starting a fortnightly segment with Massey University and we're going to be profiling academics and students. Students uh, and the first one is uh, James Cherrington, uh, who uh, attended. I think it's fair to say later in life the School of, of Social Work and, and entered into that uh, career. Um, but he identifies he fuckapapas to a number of nationalities. Uh, his sister calls him a fruit salad. Uh, he says he. I think I get this right, and I will. I will reference this on Tuesday. He doesn't identify with any particular cultures, but many cultures make up who he is which yeah. I think is uh, uh, neat. And uh, yeah, the, the reference to Nguyen reminded me uh, he is part Nguyen as well. So awesome. We will uh, be talking to him, and that is the reason why you are reduced to a fortnightly presence. That's all right. I'm, I'm always available to be on standby. Well, we, you know. we must make the most of it. Um, so let's look back. Uh, Super Saturday, um, which was the big vaccination drive, yeah. uh, the target was 100,000 vaccinations, almost 130 um, by the end of the day, which is a success in terms of targets. Uh, is the government pleased? Yeah, look, we're, we're really pleased that, you know, we, we set a target of, uh, of 100,000 and by the afternoon it was clear with the live data coming in that that target had been struck. So, you know, you would have seen or heard the Prime Minister talk about an increased target mm. uh, that afternoon as well. So what I found really pleasing was being out on the ground um, having our, our iwi providers, other providers and the hardworking members of our health service as well um, doing their absolute best. Um, th- there was a, a big push in the lead up to it and uh, one of my roles was to coordinate our uh, communication you know, from regional MPs. And when I say regional, I mean across mm-hmm, the parliament. Mm-hmm. So on the phone to, to Ian McKelvey, Tiana Tuiono and obviously my own uh, Labour colleagues as well uh, as a point of contact with the DHB. And so, um, yeah, the, the target here was 15,000. They, they, they managed to achieve above that uh, over the course of the week. Um, so, yeah, really delighted, but there is obviously still much work to be done. So you saw that the, it was the job of yourself, Ian, Tiana, 
now uh, to drive people towards getting vaccinated. Did you meet any uh, vaccine hesitant or anti-vax people? Did you have you, have you tried to do anything to encourage uh, people who otherwise wouldn't participate? Yeah, a lot of that is in the, I guess, the space of ensuring that there are good, uh, trustworthy conversations. And so, um, you know, I, I every opportunity that I have, I am turning that as to one to encourage people to, to get the vaccine. And those that I do come across, which is not a large number, I have to say, um, I encourage them to talk with someone who's trusted, talk with their GP or medical professional. I will say that on Super Saturday, I spent 40 minutes of my time uh, holding a baby uh, because that's what it took to get a mother out of out of the car. Um, she was happy to get the vaccine. It's just that there were practical logistical realities that made it difficult for her. So, um, you know, Councillor Susan Beatty was with me at the time. Uh, so there were two twins. She had one twin who she had held the twin for much longer than I did, and I held the other. Um, and so, you know, that meant that the mother could could go and get the vaccine. You are just you were born to be a politician, weren't you? Did you kiss the baby? No, I did not. <laughs> and I did make some quips about how dangerous it is yeah. in terms of you know politicians and babies because the you know of, often is a view that that people do that for for what it looks for like. Votes, but yes. I, I wasn't interested in, in the photos for social media around that. It was mm. about actually ensuring that I could help in a practical way at the time for her to get her vaccine. You say you haven't uh, bumped into too many uh, vaccine-hesitant or, or anti-vax people. You and I obviously swim in very different circles because I'm meeting them all the time and it is a source of frustration. I get lots of emails. Right, yes. Uh, I get lots of emails, mm. but they're, they're emails that are effectively addressed to um, you know a huge number of MPs. Mm-hmm. But on a on a face-to-face basis, um, I'm not having many of those interactions. Um, having said all of this and, and acknowledged the success in terms of the targets for Super Saturday, uh, we are sitting currently at 83.1% of the eligible population at one dose uh, and 66.2% fully vaccinated. The target was 90, although that is widely accepted as the bare minimum, really, uh, before we can re- reduce alert levels and, and let people uh, intermingle uh, across the, the motu. Um, it's, it's not looking good, Tangy. Uh, we're sl- the, the vaccination rates are slowing down. We're getting close to Christmas. Auckland DHB are trying to hire new nurses for their emergency department. And because of immigration and things, they're either going to get, with the greatest of respect, people that have been out of the profession for a while, maybe a bit rusty, returning, or they're just going to steal them from another DHB, uh, who will need them if we don't get the vaccination rates up? What it's, it's not looking for. Christmas ain't going to be fun, is it? Well, well, I think you know there is absolutely a dedicated focus um, for DHBs to do what they can and go over and above, really. And that's that's a difficult ask. I accept that uh, for many of our DHBs. I mean, they've been going over and above for over well almost two years now. Yeah, and, and a, a lot of well, a lot of them are under the pump. And you know, the the health workers that I talk to on the ground, they're doing a fantastic job. Their their heart and their soul is in that. Uh, but but I certainly do appreciate that. You know, they are. Um, working in trying circumstances. Uh, but, but having said that, I, I do think there is an opportunity and I challenge you know, our DHB here to be thinking innovatively around how we can um, access some of our hard-to-get members of this community. You know? Well, this, our, DHB is quite, our DHB is quite an interesting one because the hospital is too small. 
Well, the hospital, and well, it is an interesting one. And I mean, you know, the DHB, obviously, in terms of its funding opportunities, does have some increased capacity there that, you know, if we talk about Ward 21, for yeah, example, yeah. And, and other opportunities with the LANAC and a couple of them that have been brought on um, on stream and on spec in recent times. Uh, but I'm talking about actually getting into our Māori, particularly our Māori community, our Pacifica community. We've got some good providers locally. Um, and providing some support directly to them. I know that there is some support there, but, you know, as part of Super Saturday, that's a great start. There are further opportunities to engage with communities on the ground. I know in terms of the walk-in and walk-up clinic opportunities mm-hmm. for vaccination that you'll see that a lot of our providers are trying to uh, go to. Well, a good example on Saturday, you know, we have the softball. Yeah. Um, I was, I think it was about 10 vaccination clinics that I visited over the course of the day. Other Politicians did as well. I yep. saw quite a few of them actually, uh, local and central. Um, but at the softball, there was a pop-up opportunity that Tawakahuia was running, so that people could, you know, go there after the game or just prior, and they could sit there and watch on uh, over the number one diamond uh, while they they set their time out. Um, so it is about going to where our people are, and, and that's, that's that's difficult in in some communities. And that I was going to say because Palmerston North is quite blessed that there is not much uh, rural community Correct. for you to connect with. Ian McKelvey's job may be substantially different, and I see the government are, or certainly the Ministry of Health, uh, are rolling out the the camper vans to go and visit the the hyper rural uh, communities because these are people that. They may not even be vaccine hesitant, but they, they are rightfully scared of COVID-19 and don't want to go into the big smoke to, to get the vaccine. And, and, and that's why we need to be looking at how we can, um, you know, make, make it a community approach. Mm. And I think it was on, on the Sydney in, in news media last night where, or yesterday, where, um, you know, down on the West Coast, for example, where there are camper vans, there are opportunities of people going in. There was one guy who got his first jab, and I think he was basically nearly the entire population of this small settlement. So there are pockets throughout Aotearoa New Zealand where that is stock standard, that is the case. Mm. Um, you're right, we don't have that here in, in Palmerston North, but talking with Ian, McKelvey, you know, Shannon uh, and, and its rates there are, are quite low. Mm. Um, so the DHB need to be um, thinking about how they can target the resourcing that has been made available by the government to work in collaboration and cooperation with community providers to really reach those hard-to-reach areas. Now, here in Palmerston North in the lead-up to Super Saturday, and you and I haven't spoken since then, um, you know, we were aware with the heat maps of, of where we needed to target. And so I had volunteers and my staff repurposed or repivoted uh, to, to make phone calls to get out there in those communities. It's, it was largely in our Highbury, our Westbrook, our Arpony, and also our Roslyn communities. And, you know, that came as no surprise to me. No. Um, but by the same token, you know, we, we need to be targeting our resources, re, our resources on the ground in those communities. Um. This is this is a, a, a grossly hypothetical thing, uh, and, and you would you would use the term incentivize. Uh, I because I like the odd bit of sensationalism. Will say uh, a precedent has been set now that bribery comes uh, along with vaccination. If you hang on long enough, you'll get a nice little prize for getting your vaccination, and this is a precedent, isn't it? Because the the the, the narrative is this is not the the last pandemic we will ever face as a as a global population, and something else is going to come along and. We're all going to be vaccinated for something else. 
what what is the implication of of I think this is the first time in our history where we've gone. Uh, here is a vaccination that will keep you safe. If you're hesitant, we'll give you a grocery voucher or a sausage sizzle or, or, or any other sort of little bribery to, to get you to take it. It's not a good look, is it? No, I'd, I'd push back. I mean, I, I've heard some say that this is a bribe. Um, is a sausage sizzle a bribe? I mean, this this is around the way in which communities I didn't get a function. sausage, and I'm neither, a little jealous of neither, the people that did get ne- a sausage. Neither did I. But what I can say is that where sausages were being given out in our hybrid community – they weren't necessarily for people who were getting the vaccine. All right. The sausage you know, sizzle is a bad example, but there were giveaways, there were prizes at some vaccination centres to encourage people who otherwise wouldn't get the vaccinate, vaccine to get it. There, there, there were opportunities for people to receive something. Some vaccination centres, you know, um, you, you didn't. Certainly when I got mine, um, I didn't. Um, for others, actually, they're, they're around partnerships with local businesses who are supporting the need to vaccinate our community. For example, if we look here in Palmerston North, 200 tickets from the Manawatu Rugby Union. Um, that, that was, you know, their, I guess, um, level of support in, in noting that this is so important. Um, you know, other businesses that are stepping up, the the sausage sizzle, for example, mm. okay, at a wholesale level was provided by the um, <coughs> Manawatu Toyota, provided the infrastructure, you know, all, all of that sort of stuff. So it is about partnership. And what I take from that phrase is that, you know, our wider community, whether it be business communities, whether it be some of these iwi other providers, know that our only way out of this mm-hmm. is through vaccination. And talking with some members of our community who – we're not vaccinated, but as a result of Super Saturday and other efforts now are, um, when you actually have the conversation with them and give them time, um, the choice is much easier for them. Uh, there, there will be pockets throughout our community that will continue to be hard to reach. Mm-hmm. Um, well, but- and, and, and heard uh, immunity has its place as a term uh, that's been bandied around a lot, both positively and negatively. Mm. Yes, when we get up to the 1995... 1995- it would be lovely to see 100%, but that's not going to happen. But, you know, 95 96% herd immunity does have its place and will have an effect. But we're not there yet, are we? No, we're not. We, we are heading in the right direction. Uh, and that's why we have these efforts. That's why we had Super Saturday, which was a massive boost in the, boost in the arm. Um, but it, it's also about how we're working in partnership, how we're targeting those hard-to-get-to Communities, you know, here in Palmerston North, our Pacifica community, which traditionally actually has been of lower stats, um, still we've got much work to do in that space. But when I look at those figures, yes, we can continue to do better, but it's, it's not as bad as some other communities. So um, it, it takes a team effort, yeah. and we all have to be doing what we can to encourage people to be vaccinated. And if that means that it's you know putting people in the car to take them there, um, informing people where their vaccination clinical site is going to be, um, or whether it's having a trusted conversation with those that are a little bit hesitant, then that's the right thing and that's what we should be doing. Is the government's uh, efforts in the no jab, no access or even no jab, no job space increasing that divide between the jabbed and the jab nots? Well, what I would say in terms of, you know, recent decisions by the government over the last week or so, uh, particularly around our healthcare and our education uh, workforce sectors, is around protecting those that are um, 
a part of that particular sector who actually don't have the choice about being vaccinated. And I'm talking about our vulnerable members, in particular those who are aged under 12 years. So when we look at school environments and education, you know, children don't have the opportunity to be vaccinated at the moment. And so it is the responsibility of, of the government, uh, in my view, and it's, it's supported across the parliament uh, by other members, including the opposition, in saying that actually in terms of the, the, the state sector, there is now a responsibility on those that who uh, are working in that particular sector to be mandatorily vaccinated, whether you are a contractor, a caretaker, a cleaner, a teacher, an admin staff member, whatever, um, that is a responsibility that, that there is provision under the law and that's extended to the healthcare mm. um, sector as well. That is the right thing to do to protect vulnerable members who but, can't get the vaccine. Uh, if, if there are vaccine-hesitant people in those groups, you are not going to win them over with this move and you're going to increase the divide and right. increase their uh, <laughs> vitriol for a government that's forcing sure. them to do something, which, you know, to be clear, everybody, you should be getting <laughs> vaccinated. Um, but I can't... See it. I think it's the sensible thing to do, but you do have to recognise that things like human rights uh, matters should be suspended in order for everyone to be happy right. about that because there is an element of forcing someone to get a needle in their arm that they might not want. Well, it, 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 this is not force. This is the element of choice. I didn't, but, but no, no, it is. It is, it is not force. If the government is saying you have to choose between a career or a vaccination, you have to choose between going into the supermarket or a vaccination, you have to choose between going to the cinema and a vaccination, you're starting to call, you're starting to force people. No, you, they still have the choice. Oh, you know, tangy. No, no, absolutely. You're not. Absolutely. No. And <laughs> what I would say is that the, you know, a, a good example is that the decision that the government had made in terms of mandatory vaccination for border uh, workers, you know, was tested in the courts and, and the courts who independently um, interpret and apply the law indicate that that was legal. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is not about a breach of um, Bill of Rights, you know. This is, this is not around scaremongering in the sense of medical force and treatment. Um, we, we won't go there. The, the, this is about ensuring that there is a, a level of security and safety for vulnerable members and particularly vulnerable workplaces and workforces um, and the government is and the parliament actually is ensuring that that's a legal act and action to take. And I see the warehouse group is looking uh, at, 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 at putting this into the retail space which has not been mandated and it does not government mandated. There is a, a, a concern that uh, businesses creating their own policies without government mandate to back them up could go too far. It could, could be overzealous. Uh, there's a danger that when the government does finally mandate, for example, retail spaces, that people put all this effort into a policy that actually contradicts what the government advice might be. Are, would you encourage businesses, not-for-profits, community groups, sole traders, would you encourage them to start developing a no-jab, no-X uh, access service uh, sales? Um, would you encourage them to develop their own or, or do you think people should wait for the government to mandate? I, th I think, um, you know, those are decisions at the moment that sit with businesses. Um, I certainly support um, local businesses who are doing what they can to support the vaccination efforts. Um, I appreciate that, you know, and, and I get businesses that contact and reach out to our office, also through the Chamber of, of Commerce, to get some information and we point them in the right direction because often businesses just want to know what, what 
their legal standpoint is and what they can and can't do. So um, I, I also appreciate, though, that it's an ever-changing and evolving situation. You know, this time last year, yes, we were dealing with COVID, but not to the extent that we've had two iterations since. Mm. So, um, Damn I, you, I, Delta. I, yeah, exactly. Uh, so I'm, I guess I prefer to focus my efforts on supporting businesses to do what's lawful and legal, obviously, um, but also the various efforts that they're taking and making to ensure that vaccination rates and that their workers also, they have an obligation in terms of health and safety in the workplace, not just businesses but NGOs, um, to do their bit. So whatever they can within the current context is important. Legal and lawful is going to be interesting because, because of course, for example, the warehouse group, this hasn't been tested in Correct. law. So it will be an interesting thing to observe and that we will do closely. Um, what was meant to be a five-minute talk about Super Saturday has right. taken us to about nine it's minutes important, to nine. Though. It is important. Yep. You and I both agree that this is important. Yes. And, you know, the, the DHB have a number of uh, walk-in clinics all over the place from time to time. If anyone needs any any sense of direction, just go to their social media platforms or mm. Oh, don't tell people us. to get their advice from social media, Tangy. Good their Lord. social media platforms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right, let's move on. We are here with Tangy Utikeri, Memo Parimata o Papayoya um, on the catch-up this morning. Uh, I saw in the news, Tangy, that you are the deputy chair for... The Films, Videos and Publications Classification Brackets Urgent Interim Classification of Publications and Prevention of Online Harm Close Brackets Amendment Bill. Sorry, which one was that? Yes, that one. Has <laughs> uh, that got a, a clever acronym or something? No, it hasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right, I, I was the Deputy Chair when this bill was going through the Governance and Administration right, Committee, got you, yes. which is actually a, a beefy committee. It's getting yep. a lot of work <laughs> yes. at the moment. Um, Ian McKelvey, who no doubt you'll talk to, you know, he chairs it and he, his bill was drawn from the biscuit tin yesterday, oh. so that's probably going to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the reason I bring it up, though, I mean, it's got a silly name, um, mm. but it has a very important purpose, because this comes out of March 15. It does. Um, and people will be aware, and I don't want to go into too much detail, but there was a video that was streamed of the activity, mm. um, and this is about giving uh, classification and, 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 and authorities the ability to swiftly censor for a short period of time. That's right. Uh, swiftly censor something if it is deemed to be as grotesquely offensive as what happened on March 15. Absolutely spot on because the current law as it stands does not give mm. um, those that make those decisions the ability to do that. Um, we have we've come some time from that first Act, so it's an amendment act. That's yep. why it's so long. But the original act, you know, was passed in a time where perhaps digital technology was not uh, as such as it is right now, uh, or indeed, you know, in relation to that horrific event. Um, so what this bill did was it it set up a number of different options. One was empowered the chief censor to make an interim urgent classification mm-hmm. of something, including a, a issuing takedown notice to ISPs or to internet service providers mm-hmm. um, who would be, and, and they comply with those, who would be required to pull that that footage or to prevent the, the live streaming. Um, it, it was really interesting because just listening to the parliament, and I made a contribution this week, it's, for some, the only bill where, for example, the National Party opposed this at first reading because it had an automatic public filter component to the bill. We heard from a number of submitters, including 22 submitters orally, and we went to visit uh, DIA, Internal Affairs, who do a lot of the child exploitation yep. um, work, also the classification, the Chief Censor Office, to see what work they did. Really trying circumstances and difficult work that those people do, so huge, huge ups to them. Um, 
but the feedback was against putting in a automatic filter so that it would filter out public access to mm-hmm. certain content. And so the minister agreed with that and cabinet agreed. So, you know, we heard contributions this week in the parliament where members opposite were saying this is the first time that they are aware of where they have um, opposed something at first reading. It's gone through the select committee process and as a result they now support it because the changes have been made. Are you suggesting for one second, Tuggy, that the system works? participation works. works. Yep, a good example there. I don't believe you. It's a great example of something that goes through the system, we hear from the public, and as a result of that, um, you know, we, we made recommendations to, to change that, and the minister was fully on board with mm. that. Um, actually, she was quite open at the start of the process to say, look, it's in the bill at the moment, but I want to hear what the feedback is. Yep. And so this has uh, gone through sec- – well, it's going through its second reading at the moment, um, and I think there was one party who didn't vote for it. But uh, apart from that, it's, it's going to enjoy some wide support from across the parliament. Very good. Uh, we've got a couple of minutes left, uh, a chance to – well, I guess we farewelled uh, Dame Patsy Reddy uh, a while ago, but there was a swearing-in of a new governor-general. There was. and that The was, representative of the Queen. There, Very important She is, and that was yesterday. Yep. Um, so – her Excellency, the Right Honourable Dame Cindy Kiro, is our new Governor-General as of yesterday morning. And so usually this is a huge public event with mm. massive fanfare. So when I arrived... Well, she's in essence royalty, isn't she? I mean, she's, well, she's she, a, the representative of the Queen. So she is has the representative of the Queen. And, and I think it's fantastic that, you know, this is our first wahine tour in terms of Māori woman. Uh, you know, historically, Governors-General have been... Um, members of the British Empire who've Old been sent and dispatched. And, and now we have someone Pale male and who, you're saying, now we have someone who is, I think, quintessentially representative yep. of, of modern, modern Aotearoa New Zealand. And her background in terms of Massey University as well, uh, working with Waikato uh, Children's Commissioner. So yesterday when I arrived at Parliament, um, there were the, the red carpet was rolled down the main steps. The flagpoles were full, fluttering with flags. Uh, you know, you don't usually see this. And mm. then the actual... Um, set up within the, the parliament was was pretty impressive. So usually this is a massive event where it's it's a state occasion. It's outside. Um, it was all indoors. It was socially um, separated, and and I think only a handful of MPs, certainly not backbench ones, uh, were were there. I was busy working with the Environment Health uh, Environment Select Committee. So yeah, it marks a, a milestone I think in New Zealand's. Um, journey and so important do we do we know what her sort of first job the first cab out the rank will be for her well i know that her first job was to issue a proclamation yesterday that she was governor general yes um i assume that one of her first roles will be to signing off on you know one of the first laws uh, because that's the role that, that she's done and we i was thinking that actually when i was in the house yesterday because the one that we passed was around climate dis- climate-related disclosures around the financial sector. So that's probably going to be the first bill that she signs into law. Mm-hmm. Um, landmark bill, that one, actually, because, well, it's an act now because it's the first country in the world that's going to require some financial reporting and business mm-hmm. uh, opportunities to report on, on their um, climate change disclosures. So, yeah, a wonderful time yesterday for our new incoming Governor-General who's made it quite clear that she wants to work with vulnerable, disadvantaged members of our community and with children, which is nicely aligned with her background. Marvellous. Uh, Tangi Utikeri, a Member of Parliament for uh, Palmerston North, thank you for joining us on the catch-up this morning and my uh, sincere sympathies that your walk down, uh, walk in Wellington uh, will be marred by the absence of a bucket in the bucket fountain. I heard that on the news this morning. The bucket fountain is empty, oh. a bucket has been stolen. 
I have not heard of that. That's that's you know a quintessentially Cuba thing. It's, 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 I've always found that fountain quite interesting because it always appears to me that it's not operating quite the way it should be. That the, the surrounding pavement should not be <laughs> soaked. Yeah, or the people on past, the surrounding yes. pavement should not be getting wet. And we've certainly had our experience of that. Yes, indeed. Uh, there we go. That is Have a good the- Labour weekend. Oh, yes, it is Labour weekend. Well done. Um, there will be a catch-up on Monday, though. We will be catching up with uh, Wendy Carr from Fielding and District Promotion. And as I said on Tuesday, uh, a new addition to the catch-up, we'll be speaking uh, to, well, in future weeks, academics and students uh, from Mass University. We'll be speaking to James Cherrington uh, from the School of Social Work, uh, finding out about his journey and his successes uh, with Massey University. Uh, remember, if you want to listen to this or previous editions of the Catch-Up series, head to the website npr.nz forward slash show forward slash catch-up. Uh, we are also on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, wherever you get your online listening. Join us on Monday for another edition of the Catch-Up. Bye for now. this show and others like it by giving a donation. For more information, go to www.mpr.nz forward slash donate.